Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Guys, you made it. You're here. You're in Insurance Town. I'm so excited that you are. I love my citizens. I love being the mayor of Insurance Town. It makes me so happy. Thank you for listening. Today, dude, <laughs> today's show is super special to me because uh, I've got a, a good friend of mine who've been, uh, I've been watching his career. We've been growing up in this business together for you know, as long as we've been in it, I'm a few years ahead of him, but we've been together in this a long time and, I, and I've watched his career and he is a rock star through and through. He just hit the hot 100 list uh, for insurance agents by insurance business. Uh, he was number one in his pace setters class. I mean, this dude is rock solid um, uh, and he's winning tennis tournaments and you'll hear about his bodybuilding career. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm going to tease you right there. And I got to tell you, before we get into it, this episode has been sponsored by my man, Tolga Tazel over at Canopy Connect. He does a great job, a great job. Uh, they're your one-click solution. Boy, that's two fingers. One-click solution to getting those deck pages you need to quote your prospect. And you know how important that is. And when you get those deck pages and you know the price, you know the driver's list, you know the claims history, you know everything about that policy off of that one click, you can uh, have a better picture and you can serve that customer and get them the best price you can to close that deal. App.usecanopy.com backslash Heath. Get your discount. Get your demo. Get it done. You're going to love working with uh, with Tolga and his team. They are they're growing rapidly uh, and I love it. Uh, again, uh, be on the lookout for some new billboards popping up soon. And I can't wait for you to see that uh, again. Okay, so today's show, Chris Evans from Evans Insurance up in uh, the northeast part of the state in Arkansas. Uh, whether you're listening in Utah or, or Arizona, California, or here in Arkansas, this guy is a rock star. And you're going to love this conversation. So sit back. Relax and enjoy my conversation with my main man, Chris Evan. Chris Evans, what's happening, brother? Heath, not much, buddy. How you doing today? Man, I am good. Long time coming. Uh, audience that you're listening, I've been begging this guy to come on my show for a while. You've just been standing me up, so I'm glad you finally showed up. You've been saying no. <laughs> Golly, it's good to have I, you on. I don't really recall saying no. I just remember you keep saying, yeah, I need to have you on. Yeah, we should do that, Heath, whenever you get time. So I, I don't know who was at fault, but nobody really ever asked or accepted the invite. So uh, here we are. There you go. <laughs> somebody was big time in somebody, but that's all right. There no, we're here go, now. Baby. It's exciting. Uh, that's right. So for the guys that are listening, Chris and I go back a long ways. We came up around the same time. You're a couple years behind me as far as age goes, but I think we came up same time. And so we'll get into some of that. I think you were, were you 06, 07, 08? Uh, 08, 08 was my first year go. in the business. Yep. Okay. So I was 04, 03. Okay. So yeah, uh, a little bit, uh, but uh, we kind of came up around the same time. So we've seen a lot of the same changes, seen yep. a lot of the same things. So uh, and I, I've kind of followed your journey along, you know, the whole time. So, uh, but I am excited for the audience to hear. So let's take a walk down memory lane and I'm going to have to call you out a little bit. Cause you're one of the ones who's told me to make my show better. I should dive a little more into my audience or my guest past. So yeah. I, want you to, I want you to go into yours a little bit. Um, talk about who Chris Evans is, go back as far as you want bring me up to now. Yeah, sure. Well, let's see here. So I went to high school in uh, Highland, Arkansas, which is uh, the Sharp County, Hardy, Cherokee Village area for folks that aren't familiar with it. That's a small town, relatively small school district. Uh, was always a competitive person growing up. I played football. That was my, my thing, so to speak. So I did that and uh, graduated from there, went to college at Arkansas State here in Jonesboro, graduated in 2004 there. Uh, really honestly didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, <laughs> my major was technically in sports management. So I, being young and naive, thought that, uh, hey, I love sports. Uh, let's dig a little deeper into the business side of sports. And I'll probably walk out of college, you know, being the general manager for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And life is good, you know, not knowing much about anything, so to speak. So uh, I did that. 
my senior year, I did my internship with the athletic department at Arkansas State. And I did that, and I realized pretty quick that I was more of a fan of sports and didn't really want that to be my job. Uh, just a lot of long hours. There was never really a definitive start and end date. So I would work on game day for one of the football or basketball games. If the game's at 6 p.m., you're there at noon getting things set up, you know, programs, manuals, making sure everything, everybody's where they're supposed to be. And then you're done 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it's just kind of a, kind of a grind. And I learned pretty on the early on that, uh, you know, it was going to be a slow road to really get there. And I uh, didn't really have the passion for it from a work standpoint that I thought I did. So I took a lot of business classes in school too. And uh, my dad has been in banking his whole career. So I was talking to him and he says, uh, well, you know, I could get you on as a teller. I'm like, well, that sounds real glamorous, but uh, hey, I don't really have a lot of options at this point. So uh, <laughs> decided to give, <laughs> give that a shot. So uh, he got me on the bank he worked for, had a branch here in Jonesboro. That's where they were headquartered out of Liberty Bank. So went to work for those guys out of school in 04 and uh, was there a total of four years. So started off as a teller. In my last two years there, I worked as a branch manager, uh, actually in the mall that we have here in Jonesboro. So, so it were, was a seven-day. You were pretty young then, being a branch manager. What were you like, twenty-six? Yeah, I'd have been, yeah, twenty-six at the time. So, yep, twenty-six there. So looking back on it now, pretty brilliant move on the management standpoint at the bank. It's like, hey, let's this cat's got some enthusiasm and fire. Let's just throw him out there to a branch that's open seven days a week, twelve hours a day. And, We'll see what happens. So I got some good experience. I mean, just dealing with different people and personalities and things like that. Uh, But the thing that was really frustrating to me is that last year, year and a half, where I was just working crazy hours there and I'd go to my bosses and I'm like, hey, look at all these accounts we opened up this week. Hey, good job. Here's your two week check. Hey, look at all these loans we did this week. Hey, good job, man. We'll, uh, We'll look at that half a percent increase at the end of the year on your raise. And I'm like, man, what the crap is this? So I'm like, man, I don't know that this is for me long term. And uh, during that time I worked at the bank, they had acquired an independent insurance agency here in Jonesboro, Town and Country Insurance. So I had gotten to know some of those guys a little bit at staff meetings and things and uh, had talked to them about getting in the insurance business. They said, I think at that time, he, their youngest producer was late 50s. So they said, you know, we got to get some young blood in here. You're 28 at the time. We really need some fire like you got. Have you thought about giving insurance a try? And I'm like, hey, man, now's the time. It's something a little bit more performance-based. My wife had a very good job at the time. We didn't have kids yet. And I said, hey, this is the time to to roll the dice and see what happens. So uh, I got hired with those guys in January of 08. That's when I officially got in the business. And they put me in State Auto's new producer school, which I know you're very familiar. I think you actually went through it as well, didn't you? I sure did. Uh, that mm-hmm. was one of uh, the highlights of, of my producing careers, going through yeah. and having yeah. Diane the Bulldog Masterson taking care of me. Right, right there with you. She was my coach, too. So uh, that was very instrumental for me, getting in that program. So they hired me in January of 08. And the school was in February. So it was basically just get your business cards printed up, learn how to fill out an application, and then you're off the new producer school. So the timing was good on that part. I didn't get the chance to learn any bad habits, as they say, or what to do, what not to do. And uh, it really, I really took to it. I was like, hey, I'm all in the program. I'm going to do exactly what they tell me to do. And it worked out really good. And, uh, you know, they hold you so accountable, as you know. Uh, you know, I remember one time with Diane being my coach, we had our weekly calls about how many X dates to get, how many stop-ins to do. And uh, during that time, my wife and I had our first daughter who just did not sleep at all. I mean, we're going on like three hours sleep a night. And I remember the one week, she's like, hey, your uh, goal said you were going to have 30 X dates. Uh, you only got 28. What's the problem? I'm like, i I don't know. Yeah. I'm tired. I, I, I'm running on fumes. I'm doing the best I can. But man, she just she didn't want to hear it. There was no excuse. No, no. And, uh, that 
No, none at all. That'll, that'll, so that'll that, definitely shape your career for sure when you go through that. Because yeah. I have the same way with me, and they'd have a little competitions, yep. and I would win every week on the uh, cold yep. call X date list things. And I would still get my ass chewed out by Diane Masterton and say, okay, you said you were going to do this. You didn't. So I'm with you on that. And it was yep. like it was never yep. good enough. But I think that accountability really helps someone. Anyway, keep going with your, your story. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And that's, I mean, it's what you learn and what you learn to tolerate. And that was just the standard going into my insurance career. So that really stuck with me the whole time. But I uh, went through that whole program, had great success. I was number one in my class. Uh, it really worked out really well for me. And uh, I had a great mentor. Uh, of course, you know him really well, uh, Drew Nadsom there at the agency. So he, what, there was that one period during the pace setter year where your mentor goes back up there with you. And he and I really worked hand in hand that first year. So I felt like that gave me a good leg up, you know, which is so important with young producers is getting that mentor relationship going. Cause uh, you know, so many of them fail for that reason alone. I feel like. Yeah, I know. I agree completely. And that was one of the things I want to get into. I was really proud of myself in Arkansas that I was top 10 in my class of 60 something people. And here you are number one, you got to outdo me. <laughs> on that. Gee, I was real proud of myself thinking there's probably never been anybody from Arkansas that's gotten yeah. in the top 10. And I'm a, I'm a one upper. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> dude. Uh, we're going to get to that here a little bit too, but um, so before we, I don't know. Did you want to continue on a little bit more? Your, oh yeah. You got a lot more to go because uh, you're totally different place now. So, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm going to stop. So anyway, so I do want to talk I'll, a little bit more about Drew. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, everything was good there. Uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, had a great first year out of the shoot. Uh, year two was good as well. Year two, I think, was a little bit more challenging for me in the business than year one just because the fact of now you got renewals you got to take care of. So, you got to balance the renewal time with continuing to keep that pipeline full because uh, at the agency I worked for at the time, our renewal commission got cut in half. So it's like we got to double things up just to get to where I was last year. So that, that part sucked and we'll, we'll go into that more later on. But uh, anyway, that was kind of a challenge getting that going. So figure that out was doing well. So I was there. We fast forward to August of 2012 and uh, it was told to me going in when I got hooked up with these guys at the agency that as some of these older producers retire, you're going to inherit so many of their accounts. I mean, you know, as well as I do, it's commission-based. That's a big draw to a young guy coming in. So uh, it happened. One of the guys decided to hang it up and uh, was just kind of waiting around and like, okay, which accounts am I going to get assigned? What are we going to do? It's crickets. We're hearing nothing. And uh, I talked to Drew, who was my immediate supervisor, and I was like, man, what's going on with this? And he's like, man, you'll, you'll have to talk to the big boss man about it. He's, he's being kind of mum. So uh, I sit down with him. And I always tell people this, that it's like likened to the movie uh, Horrible Bosses. Remember, if you've seen that movie with Jason Bateman, oh, yeah. he's just, he just working his tail off yes. and he's going to get this deal. And he goes in and his guy that owns the company is like, yeah, I'm going to be the head of the company and I'm going to be the VP of sales. I'm going to take both roles on. That's kind of how this conversation went is I said, hey, when are we going to talk about uh, which accounts am I going to get? We need to be talking to the customers and see what's going on. He kind of sits back and he says, yeah, I've thought about it and uh, nobody knows these guys like I do. So I'm going to assume all the accounts myself. And I'm like, say what? Did I hear that right? Uh, so that's how that kind of went down. So that was that was the fire in my belly that got ignited more. And I'm like, you know what? Yep. I'm out of this joint. There's, it's, uh, there's yeah. so many agents out there right now listening to this that are sitting back in their chair or sitting up now angry because they, they've had that same story. Uh, not to take away from your story, but that is such a, a resonating story with people that have been promised one thing yep. and didn't come to fruition. Yep. Exactly. It, and that is, you know, and I look back on it now, gosh, that's been nine years now and it, it, no sweat. I mean, guy runs the show. He's got to do what he feels like's best. But, uh, you know, I knew at that point how good I was in a short period of time and what potential I had to be even better. And I just thought, I'm not going to sit around and let, you know, let this happen to me. You know, you, you sit around and get kicked around now, you're going to get kicked around your whole life. So it's time to make a move. Uh, so I really hadn't planned on starting my own agency at that point so early on. 
and I really knew at that point that uh, just saying, walking out the door and saying, hey, I'm going to start my own shop would be extremely difficult uh, five years into the business as far as getting company contracts and things of that nature. So uh, I worked out a deal with uh, White River Insurance out of Batesville, which you, you know those guys well. And uh, John Cook had been a family friend of mine for a long time. Uh, as a kid, he ran an independent agency in Highland where I grew up. So knew his fa- my family knew his family. Uh, so I'd reached out to him because he had done some of these little satellite agencies in the past I had known uh, for areas in some smaller rural towns that didn't have access to markets and worked out a partnership with them. So I reached out to him to see if there's something we might be able to work out. So our agreement was basically... You know, that's fine. You work out of your house in Jonesboro, do what you can do. He had pretty comparable markets to what I had at that point at town and country. So I ran everything through him. We worked out our commission split. And then after two years, kind of evaluate where my book was at. And he would help me get those contracts and buy my book from him. So we had it very clear. Here's what we start with. Here's what we end with. So that was good. I, uh, me and him joke now. I think he had no idea how much I was going to write in two years. <laughs> he had his account managers at the office and said, yeah, no problem. If you need a random auto ID card, you can call us. And I'm like, do you have any idea how much I'm going to be calling? Because this is going to get pretty intense. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So uh, I, I motored along and did really well there. Uh, and then that two-year mark was coming up, uh, and I was I was ready. I had enough volume on the book and had developed more rapport with the company people. So we had talked to them, and you know, most everybody I wanted to get a contract with at that point felt pretty comfortable with it. But uh, I went during that time period, a big thing for me, uh, to a business conference out in Las Vegas uh, called Business Mastery. It's about Tony Robbins. If any people are familiar with him, the big motivational guru guy read all his books, and I felt like I needed some help on how to get this thing set up 100% on my own. And uh, just like, how am I going to manage the marketing side of it and still continuing to prospect and grow and uh, trying to figure all that out. And one of the big things I took away when I went to this conference was the whole idea of you have your own business, you have the entrepreneur, the coach, and the artist. And, and there have been several books, I think, published on this, that similar language to breaking those down. And he gave a really good example he put up on the big board. And he says, uh, at that time, LeBron James was playing for the Miami Heat. He says, LeBron James, he is the artist. You know, he is the talent. As he goes on the court, his team goes. And he put up there his salary. And it's like 20-something million dollars. He said, artists typically make a very large amount of money because they're good at what they do. The coach of the Miami Heat made a million and a half dollars that year. The entrepreneur, the owner, so to speak, of the team, he lost like $18 million. So oh he, he, it really sank with me. It's like, you know, entrepreneurs, and he said, depending on the size of your business, you know, you might not, you may have to wear multiple hats there, but they just take money, throw it at a business. Hey, we're playing craps. If it sticks, it sticks. If not, who cares? I'm just going to keep going, swinging for the fences. The coach, you know, he likes to sit behind the scenes. He's, he's kind of articulating things a little bit, setting things up, can still make a very good sum of money. And the artist, he's just out there doing his thing. He's making it rain, making it happen. But the idea of that person keeping all the books, lining everything up behind the scenes, they're a little bit of an organizational mess, so to speak. So I was thinking with that, I was like, all right, so how can this kind of Kind of relate to an independent agency in Jonesboro, Arkansas. There's people from all over the country. You know, I was definitely small man on the totem pole in that room. And I was thinking about it and I thought back to Drew, who I worked with at Town and Country. And he and I had been kept kept in touch the whole time after I left the agency here. And he was sitting out a couple of years just trying to decide what he was going to do, kind of burned out on the business. And I was like, dude, this is this is the piece of cake. He's the coach. Yeah, I'm the artist. I mean, he's he's the man for, you know, former company man, you know, bring a set of applications to that guy. He can tell you in 30 seconds, here's where you need to go with it. Hey, we're wasting our time. This is this is stupid to even be trying to quote this. I was like, this is my guy. This is what I have to do. This is where my shortfall is. I love being out selling. I don't want to be sitting behind the desk 
I'm doing some of the admin stuff, you know, that I, I know I can do, but I'm not happy and I'm not really good at it. So uh, him and I started talking and I was like, Hey, we got to get back into business. You know, I, I, I need you, man. I need you. So as, as he says, I, uh, best sales pitch he ever got was I got him off the tennis court he was playing tennis about five days a week and got him back in the business a little bit and went from, uh, Hey man, why don't you just come kind of manage things to, Hey, why don't you manage things and produce a little bit to, okay, why don't you, uh, buy my book of business and, uh, you'll be a partner with me in the agency. So he did that. That's where we ended up settling on things. So that was back in uh, 2004. Yes, 2014. So we're going on our seventh year uh, together now, hooked up in this operation, which has now become Evans Insurance. And uh, man, we're just having a lot of fun and we're all comfortable in our roles. So I, I love that you went into that uh, because one of the things that, that I know about you and I have since day one, you know, when I first met you and I remember Drew bragging about you and there was another guy that was with you in the very beginning, two young guys that started at White, or not White River, but at... Uh, oh, uh, Brett. Brett. I yep. don't know where he's uh-huh. at now, but I remember you all starting at the same time and I remember Drew saying, I got these two rock stars are going to take us to the next level and all this stuff. And I know that you and Drew have been tight for a while, but yep. there's one thing that you said that I think, and I want to start here for a minute. Uh, yep. So as a agency owner, uh, it's tough for a lot of hunters. I, you know, I always, you know, heard the analogy in insurance and most of you have out there of the hunters and the gatherers or those who enjoy the hunt, those who enjoy getting out. Those are the ones that usually have a difficult time owning an agency because their mindset right. is get out there, get it done, kill, 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 kill. Um, yep. And so for you to recognize that early on in your career, what was that? What did that look like for you? What is that? How did you come to that? Was it just a Tony Robbins thing? Or is that something you knew was a pitfall for you in the beginning? A little bit of both. I, I knew it was a pitfall for me in the beginning. Uh, earlier on, I think I probably could have managed it wearing both hats for a little bit. But if I, if I am good at one thing, I'm pretty good at forecasting a little bit. And I could see at the rate I was growing and where I wanted to be that I was going to hit in the robot pretty darn quick. And uh, that just kind of helped shape it all together for me going to that conference and and hearing the examples and talking with guys that were playing ball on a much, much bigger level than I was. And still, it's much bigger than I still am now uh, to hear how they had things set up. And I, and it just kind of clicked with me because I'm like, you know, it's one thing to do this. And, you know, you meet so many people that whether they have their own agency or have another type of business, but they go hard. And, you know, after 10 years, I mean, they're just, they're exhausted. They're totally burned out because they're trying to do things all during the day. Then they're trying to get caught up on paperwork all night long. They don't have anybody else doing it for them. And uh, that just clicked with me, you know, to do that and to have the opportunity to have somebody do it with me that trained me in the business and I trust uh, it was just a no-brainer. Yeah, I think that uh, with the agencies that I've visited with, and I've been at this almost 20 years now, uh, that you know, you see these guys in the, in the ivory tower, so to speak, or sitting in that owner's chair, that yep. they're unhappy because they're not hunting anymore. Um, right. Because they've been taken out of their natural God-given ability or their what excites them about the business. And the whole reason that so many people – especially those hunters get in this business because like you said early on, you know, you were good at that. That was something that got you excited. You loved getting out there cold calling. You loved getting out there writing business. And I think probably you'd say to this day, you still love the hunt. And oh, absolutely. So yep. When you get somebody out of their natural role, it just doesn't work. And like I said, you get burnt out. And so for those out there listening or that are starting from scratch uh, and you love to hunt, uh, what, what kind of advice can you give them? Is it a, simply a self-awareness thing or is there some sort of advice that you could give them right now to say, okay, you know, get yourself in that right position? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just to surround yourself, not only with people, but tools that help support you in that avenue. You know, so many people that are the hunters, as you say, and they start their own agency, they feel like, oh, I'm an agency owner. Things have to change now. I have to start hiring more producers. You know, I'm just, I, I got to sit back and watch, you know, the residual income come in from other people. Don't do that. Do what you like to do. If you need to hire more support people, do that. 
But if you're confident enough in your ability to continue to sell and that's what you like doing, then you need to do that. If it's, uh, you know, investing in more uh, software and sales tools just to help you document and keep up with your stuff better, your pipeline, your prospect, Salesforce, uh, anything like that, do that. But, uh, you know, don't feel like just because you're an agency owner, life has changed. So, I mean, ultimately, at some point, people that started their own agency were really good at hunting for somebody else. So you're, stick you're to exactly what you're good right. at. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Uh, and that was one of the things that was a, a tough thing for me. And, and I recognize, and I can see David recognized my old boss. Uh, I love to hunt and I love to get out and drum up business. And I was really good at that part of it. But early on in my career as a producer, you know, I'd get back and as you know, um, you know, writing contractors, there's a lot of busy work that goes into that, you know, putting yep. out certificates and, you know, making sure you're holding their hand through this or that, or especially, you know, when I was starting in my career, I was doing a lot of startup companies and, you know, startup contractors. And there's a lot of work that goes in. It got me out of hunting mm-hmm. and I was sure. not happy with it. I found myself getting, you know, to that point early on in my career where I'd hit a, a plateau where I couldn't do anything else because I was spending so much time doing busy work. Finally, right. you know, David brought in, you know, an awesome CSR for me um, that really took that off my plate. Then I was able to get out, go to pace setters, you know, do the things that I knew I needed to do. And it's so cool that you at an early age had that self-awareness to say, okay, I'm really good at this, not this yep. over here. And you right. recognize that you had Drew, who was good at the admin, good at yep. the other stuff. If you'd have tried to put Drew out in the field, not that he couldn't produce, we try to put right. him out producing. That's not his strong suit. Yeah. And that is, and that's just kind of the conversation that's the common theme in our office is that, you know, he doesn't give himself enough credit, I think, for producing because he has some very great accounts and he's good at it. And I can certainly market an account when I need to, but let's do what we like to do. And, and that's just how we flow. He sits back and does his thing and I'm going to bring in plenty of submissions for us and he's going to have plenty of places to go with it. So. Yep. And I, I also wanted to say, you know, and that's another thing that I see too many times in an agency, someone that's an agency owner, especially young in their career, they're not willing to give up that equity in their agency to become better and to get to that next level. And you right. were able to do that. And yep. that's another thing that I think that I would love to hear you talk on for just a minute, because that had to have been something, at least a conversation in your head. And maybe it was like you said earlier, a no brainer. And you thought, honey, we're bringing on this partner. We're going to do this. We're giving up half our equity or a percentage of our equity to bring this guy in, yep. but it's going to make us better. And a lot of people aren't willing to have that conversation or willing to even have that thought process. So you, do you have yep. some thoughts on that you want to share with us? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that that's going to enter everybody's mind a little bit when they decide they want to start their own shop. It's, it's, it's mine. It's all mine. And uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's a greed factor. I mean, anybody can be bit by it. But when I sit back at the end of the day, I'm like, what you can grow it to is so much greater if you're happy, you're less stressed because you're doing the things you like to do. And you've got options. I mean, I could have just done it 100% on my own. Uh, I think one thing I would have is uh, less time. You know, I'd have been burning the candle at both ends. I wouldn't be able to out prospecting like I need to be doing, taking care of my existing customers like I need to. And the other big thing is the markets. You know, with Drew's relationship being on the company side and having so many people, I felt like early on we got access to a lot of carriers that a lot of people at that stage in the game as us would not have gotten, you know, now everything's good. You know, the volume is there. I I think on paper, it looks pretty good across the board with everybody. But earlier on, it was just like, Hey, you know, me, you know, the quality of work I do, let's get this contract signed and and let's get after it. And I wouldn't have had that early on. So it's like, do you want to go in saying the agency's a hundred percent mine, but it's going to be a hundred percent just, any piece of business that walks or is it going to be good quality stuff that has retention that you can get with some of your standard markets or, uh, you know, is it the stuff nobody wants? <laughs> so that, that, that made it a lot easier to me because I think we've been able to grow it so much faster this way. And, uh, the long-term potential is just so much better by having that agency partner that complements you, you and your style. Yeah. And another thing, you know, I would say it, 
and I'm proud of you on this. And, and, I, and I tell this story a lot. I don't use your name to protect the uh, protect you on that. But, <laughs> you know, I came to you, and most of you that listen know I've, I've, I've been a company man and an agency man. Um, and when I was with a, a carrier I won't mention, I came to Chris because I saw the rock star in him, and I've worked with him in the past. And, I, you know, I asked him to take on a contract. And I really thought, you know, he could have kicked butt for me and gotten me, you know, more bonus. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I came to Chris and Chris looked at me and said, dude, I love it. And he went through the thing. and was like, but it doesn't make sense for me right now. And, you yep. know, I've, I've got too many mouths to feed. And I think so many agency owners try to take on every carrier they can. And yep. then they end up, you know, having problems because they can't feed them all. Uh, is that yep. something Drew taught you? Or is that something you just had this mindset of, I got to be smart about the carriers I bring on. I can't yeah. feed all these markets. Talk to me about what it's like as an early agency owner. Yeah, that was something definitely that was uh, learned from Drew with his relationships with the companies and his time spent on the company side of just knowing that, hey, man, here's the deal. You just need a good stable of companies. You feed them. They're going to take care of you. And just about establishing those relationships with them. You know, uh, that's one thing early on I learned training with him back when I first started in the business about, you know, applications. When you're sending in the accords, you got to put the expiring premiums. And that's just always been a no-brainer to be, but we still get these calls to this day from our carriers and they're like, hey, Chris, I got this package all rated up. Um, you know, where, where are we at on expiring premiums? You know, how close are we? I'm at, I'm at 10 grand. So uh, is that close? And I'm like, expiring apps on page three, they're paying 11.5. Oh, it is? Oh, well, yeah, I guess it's on there. So I didn't realize that, but apparently that's something a lot of agencies I found out do not do. And uh, that was something he taught me early on. It was like, hey, man, if you if you are a full open book with the five, six carriers that we got, they'll do anything for you. I mean, we're not, we don't shop it out to everybody under the sun. Uh, if we have a new submission coming in, we'll talk about it. Hey, I think these two carriers would be a great fit for this risk. Let's send it to them. You know, some agencies will go out and like, hey, this is a flower shop. We have 10 people that'll do that. Let's send it out to every one of them. Well, that's just, you know, it's wasting everybody's time and uh, nobody's really got a fair shake at that. So treat them like, you know, the companies like you're treating your insurance. And that, that was a big thing I learned early on. Yeah, I think that's so smart to understand. That's something that, you know, as I've been, whether it's podcasting or carrier rep or an agency guy, um, you know, to find that stable of carriers, you know what they do, you identify that. What? How many, let me ask you this. I know it's different for different agencies and you're a commercial first agency. Um, right. What, what's that number of, of carriers you think, What what is the, the number you can wrap your arms around to say, is it three or four carriers? Is it five carriers? I know you have more, but what's your, your core stable look like? Is that like four or five carriers? What does that look like? Well, I don't know that it actually is a number so much as the type of stuff you're wanting to do. So, uh, you know, but just kind of a generalist, like, you know, your main street type bop business, I think probably uh, two, maybe three that do that. Just, you know, hey, we'll do anything that's a bop type deal. Uh but if you always need a couple of silver bullets in your pocket, I think, for the stuff that's a little bit tougher to place. You know, yeah. we need somebody. If you're going to do contractors, for example, you know, a lot of guys don't like to do the the heavy casualty stuff. You know, the guys doing directional boring, some some heavy highway construction type stuff. So maybe one or two people that do that, and then you got a handful of people that'll do electricians and heating and air guys. So you just need a little bit, and I think you need a backup option on everything. So if it's that one tough to place class of business and you load up on it and that company decides in three years, hey, man, we are just we are out of the directional boring business altogether. Well, you've built all these relationships with these guys that do this type of work for a living. So you got to have at least one other place to go with them. So that that's kind of what I think is just, uh, you know, hedge your bets a little bit there. Have, have you a solid backup, but you don't need. I mean, if you've got 10 different companies that do heating and air contractors, you can submit it to all 10 of them. Chances are they're all going to be pretty darn close uh, in premium. So, I mean, it's not going to be that big a deal. And at that point, it begs the question of, are you only selling on price or do they really want to do business with you? 
So yeah, so you identify. I guess it goes back to a relationship game, which is you know, if you've listened to enough of my episodes, you know I'm a relationship guy. And I think if you like you said earlier, and you mentioned, and again going back to Drew, bringing him into the game. And let's go all the way back to what you were talking about with Tony Robbins. He's talking about LeBron James. You know, he knew and recognized early on he couldn't win a championship on his own. So he had to call his best buddy, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, bring them together, and then surround himself with the pieces around him. So you recognize you had to bring Drew in. Drew's a marketing guy, and you knew that. He had those relationships. So is it one of the – I mean, I would say this. I'm gonna, I want to hear from you. It's one of those things where you build that relationship. You have to know those carriers inside and out, know which ones want which things. You know, for me, I was a big HVAC guy. And so I knew which two yep. or three, all of them would look at HVAC, but we knew in our office, you know, which two or three were just really good at it. And like you said, they're all going to be around the same price, maybe a couple hundred bucks here and there. But if right. you knew, and like you said, that open book, and I want to get into that open book thing and the, the submissions part of it here in a minute, but you know, uh, Talk to me about that a little bit. I mean, as far as that goes, would you agree with me on the relationship piece of it and knowing your carriers and what they want to write and your underwriters and the branch managers of those offices? Oh, yeah, that's it's huge. I mean, absolutely. And they know that because, I mean, they get a huge submission workflow from, I mean, sometimes we get caught up, I think, in our own heads of thinking, well, hey, I'm the only person they're working on stuff for right now. But I mean, the fact of the matter is they have hundreds of agents that they're looking stuff at daily. And if it's getting close to the end of the week and they're cleaning out their email inbox and they say, hey, man, I got five deals here that they're wanting to get something competitive in the next three days. Well, I see Chris is here. Dude, if Chris sends it to me, he's going to write it or, you know, I don't have to worry about not having loss runs attached or expiring premiums. He does. It comes from these guys. They do it the right way. Then they're they're gonna they're gonna go to bat for you. I mean, they're gonna get that quote process for you before the end of the week versus these other four guys that are just firing darts at the board. I mean, they don't have the expiring premiums. They know every time they send one in, hey, I'm one of eight carriers this guy's sending this to. I don't know if I'm really gonna get a fair shot to write it. So having that relationship with them is huge. Yeah, and I think that's a big difference in commercial versus personal lines because with personal lines, it is simply a black and white deal. And, you know, yep. with personal lines, the price is the price is the price. Whereas commercial lines, it's a lot more uh, relationship driven to where if you've got that relationship with your favorite underwriter and you're their favorite agent and you can pick up the phone and say, hey, Sally, the underwriter, uh, I've got this account, I've got this going on. And they know that your buying ratio is at 48% and they know that you're going to do this. They're more likely to put you on top of the pile and yep. they're more likely to to look at that. Whereas someone else at shotguns, I don't know how many times, it may not happen anymore because it's been a while since I've been there, but working for a large, you know, uh, commercial carrier back in the day, I would see emails where it wouldn't even be CC'd. You would see just travelers, you know, uh, nationwide. You'd see every carrier. <laughs> right. You just shotgun, shotgun this out to everybody and didn't even try to CC it. Like, I don't know if that was an intimidation factor or a dumbass factor, but it would always be there. And you would see <laughs> every market there. I'm like, what are you doing? And so I think it has to be intentional where you send those. Absolutely. And we do that. And we, we do a good job in our office about if we have a new submission coming in, hey, here's an electrical guy. Here's where he's with. And, and you just kind of know where it is. You know, he's with this agency. We know this agency has a contract with boom, boom, boom. Hey, they don't have this market. We do. I'm going to call them right now and tell them we got to get it done. So, yeah, it's just taking a lot of shortcuts to success. Yep. Now, would you say that um, a strategy for you and Drew, and I don't know, I haven't been in your agency for a while, and so if you can't answer this, we'll edit it out, but would you say uh, part of the strategy would be to uh, come up with the premium you think is going to win and back into that from the underwriter perspective? Or like you said, you know, or maybe it is a, uh, a more of a, uh, I guess, approach of they need these coverages and this is going on. Let's make sure we have that. Whatever the price is, we'll sell it regardless. Right. Well, it just every situation is a little different. I mean, some people, I, I really try to get away from situations where it's just purely a price game because, it, you know, you went on the old saying, you went on price, you lose on price. 100%. Now, that being said, every now and then, every few years, I've run across something that's like one of our carriers just has this bang up program for XYZ type of businesses. You're calling on them. 
you find out who they're with. You're like, dude, this is a no brainer. This guy could be his brother-in-law. That's his agent. And, you know, I know we're going to beat it by 35% because these guys are just specialists in this area. You know, that type of stuff, you just, you take it when you can get it, but you just have to know those accounts may not be around forever. But as a general rule of thumb, no, we just size it up. In my pre-qualifying with the insurer, hey, where you're at, what's going on? Are you unhappy with anything? And it, yeah, my agent sucks. I never, I used to be with this agent. Now I've been assigned to this agent. Um, I just need some service. Then it's, you know, price is not that big a deal. We don't have to beat up our underwriters so much. It's just like, hey, here's the deal. Let's be competitive and we'll get it done. Or in some cases, yeah, I mean, especially in a softer market, you got to win on price. And uh, that's just something we try to get away from doing. Yeah. yeah, I've just, you know, being on the commercial side for 18 years of my career, 17 years, whatever it was, you know, it was always, I'd see it from different approaches. And I'd see some, you know, agencies would come in and say, okay, apples to apples are there. We need to be at 14,000, whatever those credits look like, or 110,000. Right you know, whatever that may be, you know, let's back into that. We need to get this, you know, these credits, we need to have this coverage here, you know, we could do this or that. And so, I mean, that approach works, I agree. Uh, but also, you know, I think, uh, you know, you don't ever want to necessarily sell on price. But then again, uh, you always hear, uh, if you're not going to sell on price, then, you know, what are you selling on? And so, so, so many people say customer service. And so that's the most right. overplayed, you know, <laughs> it thing is. out there. It is. So what would you say would be some other ideas that someone out there listening, whether they're in Utah, Arizona, or Arkansas, what could be, you know, some things they might work on in their agency commercial wise to make them, you know, better than the competition. Besides well, I mean, the relationship is so key on the commercial stuff. I mean, I told you all ago, an example about if we have a, if we have a program that we know is just killing it on price above anybody else. But that doesn't even work all the time. I mean, if they're just so tight with who they are, you know, they will pay more to stay with people. So, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I heard it somewhere in the beginning of my insurance career. I don't remember where, but it's it's served pretty good rule of thumb. It's when you ask somebody, where do you have your insurance at right now? And if their answer is the company, they say Travelers, Hartford. Uh, okay, you know, we this this is doable. If they're next, instead of that, if they say it's with Evans Insurance, well, that's a little bit tougher. There's a little bit more brand loyalty to that company. But then if they answer it's with Chris Evans, then, you know, it might be a tough battle because that tells you right there, they specifically list the producer. They don't give a rip who it is. They probably haven't even asked for a copy of their policy. They just say, hey, he's got it on file if I need it. It's that deep. So, you know, You've got a little tougher battle there. And I have learned over the years, you know, early on, it was just like, no, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win this account. I'm going to win this account. I'm, I'm ignoring everything they're telling them. I'm ignoring all the body language. It's just, I'm going to quote it. I'm going to win it to be a little bit smarter in your approach as you go along longer. Uh, you know, had there been any issues? No, man, they're always really good and getting back to me. And you learn to look at enough policies. You can tell pretty quick if it's competitive and you just got to walk away on day one. If you think, you know, these guys are pretty loyal where they're at, their price, you know, maybe we could knock three or 4% off it. This guy's probably not the best prospect at this point in time. So it's working smarter, not harder. You know, let's, let's move on to this one. There's four or five slam dunks down the street that I can go get. And maybe we just circle back with this guy in a year and see if he's still happy where he's at. So that's the thing is just, listening to your perspective insured what are they giving you are they really dissatisfied because you know people will use you and abuse you all day long i mean if you if you want to just hey if you really want to quote my business go ahead but just know that your competition very well is looking at your proposal so yeah uh and that that leads me to you know i'm so, i can't believe we haven't gotten to one of the main things i want to talk to you about here in a minute but I do want to get into this for a minute because I think it's it's fascinating to me uh, as whatever industry, uh, I never hear this, but how often do you and Drew get into situations where you have to fire a client? Uh, is that something you ever have to do or something you think about to say, okay, this client is costing us too much money, too much time, they're, they're shopping habitually. How often does that happen in your agency and how, what's the mindset on that? 
uh, early on, we we did clean things up quite a bit, and uh, it kind of came in stages. Heath, you know, the beginning, you know, I guess some of the lowest hanging fruit that you can get rid of is uh, just the habitual billing issues. Uh, you know, we, you know, and that just comes from experience. I mean, my first years in business, if it had a pulse, I was going to write it. Hey, you know, it's four hundred dollars a year, yep. no problem, sir. Oh we yeah, do that on twelve monthly installments, don't even sweat it. And uh, you know, that's a big thing yeah. we focus on is our staff. You know, we try to keep it lean and mean. We have one full time account manager. We have another person that works part time remotely on some non licensed type duties for us, just some filing and attaching. So you can do that if you work smart with stuff. <clears throat> so in the beginning, we had so many that it was every month. Notice a cancellation for non-payment. Notice a cancellation for non-payment. And we were like, man, this is stupid. This has got to go away. So as yeah, they, you, know, yeah. you can't pull the rug out from a midterm. You just can't be that guy. So when it comes up for renewal, this guy's paying $900 a year. Hey, um, you know, this GL policy is 900 a year. You know, going forward at renewal, we have to write your home and auto also, or uh, this has got to be annual pay. And it was amazing to me how many people were just like, oh, I have to pay annually? No problem. I mean, they were just going to, they were taking what you were giving them. You know, they could sense that that urgency in your voice that, hey, man, I, I, I want to get this thing written. This guy's going to let me stretch this out as long as I can. Yep. And they'll take so we cleaned a lot of that, a lot of that out early on, and there were a few that were just like, "No, I'm not going to do that." And we're like, "Well, this is probably not the best place for you." So we did run some of that off, and then the next stage kind of was the uh, the problematic, or the premiums up there a little bit higher, but it's a daily battle. I mean, it's a it's a complaint about this. It's uh, I need this, not that. Well, you know, you didn't. You didn't tell me that you bought this equipment. Now you're saying, you know, the bank's asking for proof of coverage on it. So we had a lot of those and uh, we've gotten most of those cleaned up. And, um, you know, we don't try to, some agencies will take the approach of just, hey, we just quit servicing them and they take care of themselves. And we don't do that. You know, we sit down with them and, hey, man, here's the deal. You've been complaining about this. You've been complaining about the price. Here's the companies we've shopped it to. You've had this many claims in the last year. This is a fair shake. So if you don't think it meets your standard, then no hard feelings. Here's your loss runs, and uh, best of luck to you. And we've had a few of those, but I think we do such a good job now having a little bit more seasoning under our belt about pre-qualifying them that we just don't see much of that anymore. But uh, it, it is a challenge, especially, you know, when you're starting off and, you know, you don't want to turn anybody away. Uh, you, you do have to clean house, I think, every three or four years. Kind of look at your book and, you know, is this the type of stuff we really want to be wasting our time on? Yeah. No, I, I get it. Um, you know, okay, I'm finally getting there for me uh, because uh, I, I'm so excited and I'm so happy for you because, again, I followed your career since, you know, almost day one. And now I read an article and at first I thought, you know, man, they're judging – agents on their looks now but you got the hot 100 insurance professionals list <laughs> and i was like i mean chris is a good looking guy but i mean really the hot 100 but anyhow um, <laughs> tell me about that what, what what happened there how did this come to be what did that what's that look like for you i mean what what is this hot 100 from insurance business magazine doll bell i was just absolutely floored i mean it was, i got a call out of the blue i actually didn't know i was going to get it and they just said i was being considered for it didn't say where it came from i'm guessing and it was a combination of company referrals and this, that, and the other. I mean, those are the people that could have mentioned it to them or they just started asking around and uh, told me I was being considered for it. Tell me a little bit about your agency, your personal interest, et cetera, and laid it out for them. Said, okay, well, uh, appreciate your time. And then next thing I know, I uh, get an email link, insurance business, and I'm like, holy crap, there's my picture. There's my name. So... <laughs> Didn't, had no idea what was going on with it, but uh, it was a great honor. It just uh, one of those publication events that uh, was honoring the top 100 in the business as far as, from what they told me, uh, productivity, production, profitability, continuing to grow in spite of COVID and the difficult times in 2020, and just general relationship in the business. So I, I was absolutely humbled by that. 
Yeah, and you going back to the beginning of your story from would you say Highland? I never even heard of that town, and here you are. You know, it's again in Arkansas for that matter, and you're in the top, you know, hot one hundred. Any other agents in Arkansas in the hot one hundred? Well, I'm sorry, was anybody else in it? Was anybody from Arkansas in the hot one hundred? Anybody no. else? No, that, I mean, that's just me. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, from our small state, here you are, and there's hundreds of thousands of agents out there. Um, what do you think uh, is some of the keys that we've talked about a lot of things? And I, I'm I'm really upset that we're almost you know running out of time here because. You know, I could talk to you about commercial insurance for hours. My audience, I know, is <laughs> loving this. So talk to me. What was that? Some of your keys to success on that. What kind of helps Or what, another agent listen to this that has a goal now of, well, I want to be a hot 100 agent. I want to be in the top. I mean, nobody opens up an agency and says, I want to suck. So, I mean, what, <laughs> uh, what, what's some keys to your success from a small town? Because there's a lot of small town agencies listening to this right now, and they want to make it. And so talk to me a minute. Yeah, there's just, I think he's so many things that go beyond the scope of things you do in the insurance business just to set yourself up for success. Um, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm, I'm weird. I've embraced my weirdness. Uh, I, I'm so competitive and I continue to do things just to push myself to get better. And uh, I have a lot of people I've talked to, and, and, and this is not bragging or anything, but they're just like, you know, hey, you got your own business, you're doing okay. And, you know, uh, why don't you relax a little bit? And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, we'll take some time off. And I always tell people the story. This was two summers ago uh, in July. I took a trip, uh, an another uh, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy, self-improvement guy, like I said. Uh, my wife and I went to one of his events in Dallas. It's called UPW, Unleash the Power Within. And uh, it's just this just whole perspective about life, the whole work-life balance, what you want to get out of life how to be a competitor, how to get better. And the whole thing concludes on day one. They're marathon days. They're like 13, 14 hour days. You're in this event center. It's like a rock. It's a combination of like a rock concert and a religious experience. And it, it's just intense. So the whole day ends with your outside. It's one o'clock in the morning and you walk across a bed of hot coals and everyone's like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Why would you spend that's your vacation? I'm like, dude, it was the most badass thing ever. It was so cool. You just out there, you get this chant going, and you literally walk across a bed of 2,000 degree coals. And then they're out there, they spray your feet off when you're done. Uh, it was one of the most exhilarating things. Wow. It was incredible. That's crazy. That is it crazy. Was so, but the whole thing was it is about changing your state, how to get better. You know, it's getting crazy. Phone's ringing off the hook. You're trying to write business. You got people with claims issues. How to change your state in an instant. And that was the whole mental focus exercise was, uh, you know, hey, you're walking, you're walking. Holy crap, my feet are on fire. Boom, it's over. It, it, and that was kind of a neat thing for me to do that, um, that process to walk through that whole mental exercise on that. And uh, just trying to make myself better. I mean, that's when I have downtime, I always try to do stuff like that. I try to go to one motivational type conference a year. Of course, last year with COVID, it kind of got kaplunked. But to do something self-improvement betterment like that at least once a year on a bigger scale, uh, that's always helped me out. You have to be really good with your organizational skills. Um, one of the exercises I go through every week, I do this little exercise called my, my RPM for the week, my rapid planning management. So either at the end of the day on Friday, if it's kind of a light day or on Sunday, I'll take an hour or two hours to get my week ready for the next week, get my battle plan, as I like to call it. And uh, I'll have three objectives for business, three objectives for my personal life. And uh, these are my must. So it may be, you know, I'm going to get 20 new X dates or I'm going this account I've had in limbo for three and a half weeks. I'm going to get some resolve. I'm moving forward or I'm walking away from it. And you come up with little subplots underneath it. You know, if this is my ultimate goal for the week, I need to spend 20 minutes a day doing this and you back into it. And I really hold myself accountable at the end of every week. And I look through that and say, you know, did I accomplish these? And, and it kind of goes back a little bit to that pace setter in the beginning about that accountability with your work, what you want to do that week. So I kind of taken that a step further and it's been really beneficial to me. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I like that. Rapid planning management, RPM. 
Did you come uh-huh. up with that yourself, or is that something you, you yanked from uh, Tony Robbins? Or uh, well, I, I read that. about it in a, in a book in a book somewhere. I don't remember the name of the Man. book offhand, but uh, yeah, uh, I gathered that, and uh, that's helped me because so many people, especially if you own well, whatever business you're in, you know, you just get with so many different things at a given point in time. And you have to know that you have to have something to go back to at the end of every day. All right, man, I got sidetracked with A, B, C, D. Did I find time to circle back around to work on objective A? Did I get any of this stuff done today? And that's been very critical. Another big thing is, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in the sound sound body, sound mind. You have to take care of your body. You know, daily exercise. Yep. Yeah, I was just about to get into that because I wanted to hear before we wrap up, you know, one of the things, if you guys, now that you're listening to this, I want you to look this guy up and, and, and just kind of troll him a little bit and get to know him a little bit because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm seeing this guy deep into bodybuilding and, you know, <laughs> powerlifting. And he's like this god of a man looking like his body's chiseled. He's looking good. And you competed in this competition. And then, and I don't know, you can talk about that here in a minute. And then I fast forward. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm seeing you're winning tennis tournaments and you're real deep into tennis now. I mean, you may have always been into tennis, but is that something you feel like that off as you going back to basketball? Now, is it off the court stuff or out of the business stuff really helps you within the business to improve yourself personally? Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's just that competitive nature in me. Just I, I, My wife jokes with me sometimes. She says, you're enough, but button is broken. <laughs> and, and she doesn't mean that in the sense of like you're greedy, but it's like literally you can't just do anything halfway. And I can't, you know, the whole bodybuilding stuff that started about five or six years ago when I was just making the commitment. The agency was starting to get a little bit of training wheels on it, so to speak. We we're starting to get some momentum going. And I'm like, I got to take time every day to work out. I've got to do this. So I started doing it and uh, met this guy at the gym that just, I mean, the Incredible Hulk on the Incredible Hulk, just this massive dude. And we got to talking one day and he was talking about, body. yeah, exactly. He's talking about the bodybuilding and stuff. And uh, it, I was like, man, that's impressive. And I was like, dude, I want to, he's like, I put training programs together for folks too. I was like, yeah, man. I said, I want to bulk up a little bit, you know, put me something together. So I bought one of his programs and just took to it. I'm like, I love this. I love having a goal. Here's where your max is. Here's what your percentages need to be every day when you're doing bench squat deadlift and i just kept trying to beat it every month we max out and i'd beat it and we went through that whole thing for probably about six to eight months and then i approached him and i'm like so dude how hard would it be to do a bodybuilding competition and he kind of laughed he looked at me this dude was what was he 26 at the time and i was 37 and he's like well age is a factor you got that going against you. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not even 40 yet. I'm not that old. And he's like, yeah, no, but he goes, it's just, it's going to be tougher. Your metabolism's slower. I was like, I can do it. So he said, he said, I'll get something together for you. So he put it together and uh, he was a phenomenal trainer. And uh, that's the key to any of this is having good coaches. And uh, I learned that early on that he was someone that could help me out through this. So I took to it and I just said, let's see how far we can do this. So I went through the whole program. It took about a year and uh, I stepped on stage and did it. I finished middle of the pack. So I wasn't, I wasn't the bottom, but I wasn't the, the top either. And I felt thrilled to be able to do that. I think the statistics say like 5% of the population ever does something like that. So I took a lot of pride in, you know, doing something that was a little bit more difficult to do and, you know, just being a Nazi about planning out your eating every day, especially traveling on the road, taking your food with you and all that nine yards. So I did that. And then, uh, yeah. And then it's like, all right, I got that off the list. I, I need a new challenge. So I did a, did a bench press competition, did well at that. And then, uh, my wife got me into tennis actually a little over a year ago. She, uh, she took it up and she's like, I think I hate to even mention this to you because of how competitive you are, but uh, I think you might really <laughs> like playing this. I was like, I don't even know how to keep score. You know, I've seen the guys on TV. I don't know how to do it. So I did it a few times and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's time to get after this a little bit. So I went from playing a couple of times to I played about four to six nights a week and, and uh, was fortunate. As you said, I did win a tournament not too long ago with a doubles partners. 
So um, that's my uh, new addiction for the moment, I guess you could say, is tennis. But I think, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be able to hear that, but also want other agents listen to this to hear you don't have to pour 100% of your time and every effort and energy into building your book. You've got to have some outside ha- hobbies. You've got to have some outside nope. things. Nope. Yep. And so you would say that helps yeah. you. Absolutely. And, and you know, like I said, that, that's just that's just the way I am. I mean, don't just do it. I mean, excel at it. I mean, you're going to have an agency. You be the best damn producer you can be. You decide you're going to take up running. By God, go run. Go win a 5K. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. whether it's tennis, if it's if it's golf, if, it, if golf is your thing, golf's not really my deal. But if golf is your thing, I mean, that is exercise. And hey, this is going to be my competitive fuel outside of work. And then do it. I mean, don't don't just do it just to go through the motions. So that's just kind of my approach on it. Yeah, I could see fast forward ten years from now, golf might might be the next thing because that's a challenge that I don't know if you listen to <clears throat> or are familiar with Billy Williams, Doctor Billy Williams. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah so sure. He picked up golf less than a year ago, and he's already at like a, a 12 handicap, oh. and he's winning tournaments, and he's involved in playing, and he's about to wow. become a uh, semi-pro or amateur, whatever. He's going to start playing these big tournaments, and it reminded me of you with the bodybuilding and the tennis because I'm like, who picks up golf in less than a year and becomes a, a semi-pro? <laughs> like that's just – so I'm going to challenge you now – to golf and making that your thing. But anyway, no, uh, I could see that. <laughs> but I would be interested to see what's next on the horizon for you. But uh, I'm excited for you. I think the Hot 100's cool. Uh, now I could also see you decide, okay, not only Hot 100, I want to be number one in the Hot 100. So there you we'll go. see where that goes. But um, there's so many dang things I could get into with you. We're wrapping up on an hour now, I think. It, it sucks because I could keep going. I'm going to have to have you come back on. Um, I know you got business to write and I've got to get this edited and out, but I, uh, I wanted to give you uh, the keys to the city for a minute. If there's anything lastly that you want to share with the audience, anything that's on your brain with your educate, or if you want to inspire us, if you just want to talk to us for a minute, the stage is yours. I'm going to hit mute. And just let you talk about whatever you want to talk about. I don't care. Oh guys. I think, I think the key is, is, is passion. That, that's my biggest deal is, is, is having a passion for the insurance business, having a passion for the hobbies and, and the competitive fire that builds in you. It's whatever you do, you have to just have that passion and fire at it. You know, a lot of people get caught up on the income aspect of their job, but I'm here to tell you, if you love what you do and you go into it 100%, the money will get there. And as far as the insurance business goes, Somebody told me early on in the business that day to day when you start off, it's a crappy job, but you look back and you'll say it's a great career. And I think those words have resonated me more than just about anything because it is a grind in the beginning. I mean, you're cold calling uh, like crazy. You're trying to ask for referrals from every person you know because it's such a commoditized business and so many people dies. But you just got to hang with it. Uh, it does get better. And uh, patience is the key. And that's all I got for you guys. Man, that was great. I mean, short and sweet. That was perfect. I think, uh, dude, I had no idea. I'm going to be real honest. When we talked about this, because I was like, where are we going to go on this? There's so many topics, but I really am excited to where we ended up on this. And I can't wait for people to hear it. And I'm going to have people emailing me, having me, you know, say, bring Chris back. So you're going to have to promise me now you're going to come back. And we'll do better the next time than this time with you competitive nature. Um, But I I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. I can finally shut my brother up too. He's been like, you got to have Chris on. You got to have Chris on. <laughs> so now, now what I want to challenge you to, since I know about your competitive nature, he's my number one downloaded podcast. My little brother is my number one downloaded podcast. Let's make sure that we beat him. I want you, you got it, man. want you to be you know, the number one podcast. Uh, and just to, just to shut him up because he's always like, ah, ah. <laughs> so it'll be fun. So shout out to Chase Sharon. If you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and give him a few more downloads for Chris takes over. Um, dude, I really appreciate it. You, would you be interested in, uh, if I had some uh, citizens that want to reach out to you and just talk to you a little bit, would you share some contact info? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to man. Yep. My email address is uh, Chris C H R I S at Evans insurance.com. And that's, 
E-V-I-N-S. Yeah, that's the key there, E-V-I-N-S. You know, that's one of those things that uh, it's different about you, man. So we got to make sure we yeah. get E-V-I-N-S. Captain America spells his name wrong. I got it right. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Hey, dude, thanks so much, brother. Uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And All right. You bet, Heath. I enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us today in Insurance Town. Chris Evans. That was awesome. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, I hope that the content that we brought you today made you a better insurance professional. That's my goal with all these podcasts. Um, I I know know he brought the thunder. I know he brought some good knowledge. He was dropping nuggets. Uh, I uh, 100% loved it. And we did a a high-level dive into some stuff, but I'd love to get deeper into some conversation with him at a later date. Uh, We're going to, you know, definitely have him back on the show again, but we wanted to touch on some high level stuff right now. That episode uh, and all my episodes are recorded, edited, uh, produced by my main man, Ryan Mayfield over at Ready, Set Podcast. Go to www.getreadysetpodcast.com and check it out. If you've got an idea for your own show, There's no reason not to get you a microphone, get you a camera, you know, throw it on a laptop and you're set. Dude, he can take care of all the rest. All you got to do is hit record and talk. And people ask me all the time, you know, how do you do it? You know, you have a career, you have a family and you're doing this podcast and it's going so well. What's going on? (laughs) All I do is talk to people, hit record and my man takes care of all the rest. And heck, I don't even have to hit record. He can do it for me. He's awesome. He'll make you look good. He'll make your life easy. He'll give you the advice you need. Dude, Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.